Welcome to Tattooed Freaks and Business Suits, recorded live in the kitchen of the Personal Touch Career Services in Denver, Colorado. I am your host, Donna Shannon. As a professional career coach, I help people navigate the hiring maze to get to the jobs they really love. So in addition to working with job seekers one-on-one, I do have a book available. You can find Get a Job Without Going Crazy on Amazon or across my own website. So our show's purpose is to explore and really redefine the world of work, especially as Gen X, Millennials, and those to come after seek leadership positions that still allow them to be themselves. So every show we explore a topic related to business or job searching, and of course, we're going to talk about tattoos. Our sponsor is the Personal Touch Career Services, Denver's top-rated career coaching service. We focus on the practical tools for your job search, including resume writing, LinkedIn profiles, job search coaching, interview coaching, salary negotiations, anything that is going to help you get your career further on down the road. So check out our ridiculously long website, personaltouchcareerservices.com. Once again, that's personaltouchcareerservices.com. Or, you know, you can just Google it. So, I have a special treat for you today. This is actually an excerpt of a presentation that I did for our monthly program that we run for job seekers. It's called the Brown Bag Job Search Group. Yep, I've had this thing going since 2009. So, this is 2013 when this is being recorded. So, yep, I've been doing that for 14 years. And... What is that, you may be wondering? So it is a monthly free networking dealy bob for job seekers where I do a presentation but also encourage people to get to know each other and really be a real networking source. So where can you find this awesome thing? Well, just go to meetup.com, of course, and look for the Brown Bag Job Search Group. We are based in Denver, but since our meetings are virtual, You can tag in from anywhere. So this is just a short excerpt of the presentation that I did about uh, five ways to ace the interview. But specifically, what we're going to be talking about today has everything to do with your personal brand. All right, Donna, take it away. So what is personal branding? We used to talk about it a lot, especially in the last recession, 2008, 2010, when this whole concept really came about. It is still valid, but what is it? So personal branding is the practice of people to market themselves and their careers as brands. So if you think about something that you love, such as Starbucks, What's the brand behind Starbucks? It's not just that mermaid lady. It's not just the green. It's not just the specific font. It's like coffee as an experience. And that's how they can get away with charging you six bucks for a cup of coffee. It's about the experience. Not just so much about the coffee because you could have made coffee yourself at home. Same kind of thing when it comes to presenting yourself in not only the interview, but also your resume, your LinkedIn profile, and everything else. This is a quote that I like to hit a lot when I talk about personal branding. It's Glenn Lopez from Forbes. It's an older quote, but it's still so relevant. 
The personal brand should represent the value you are able to consistently deliver to those whom you are serving. Hmm. Sounds a little bit different than just your standard, oh, make your sure all your fonts are the same on your resume. What we want to create is this overall picture and image that is consistent throughout the entire process of them getting to know you from your resume to your final interview. So this is why it's so important to be yourself. Modern interviewing really does hinge on your personality. So, so much is depending on these culture matches. If you are not being consistent with everyone you meet, there's not going to understand how valuable you are and who you are. I'll give you a classic example of this. About, oh, it was like 10 years ago or something like that. I was up for a position within the career services department at the Colorado School of Mines. And I was doing really well in the interviews. I did well with the panel. I did well with the presentation. And then it was down to meeting the two heads. So one was the head of student services. The other one was the head of career services. So I met with them each individually. And the director of career services was a very outgoing person, definitely an extrovert, very excited in the way she spoke. And I could see this. So what I did was I started to mirror her reactions. It's not always a bad idea if you want somebody to get to know you better or like you. Mirroring their body language is one way to kind of build this inherent trust. Unless you are not being genuine. So then I met with the director of student services next. And he was very closed, very guarded, very introverted, very reflective. So a lot of this kind of body language where he's like thinking about what I'm saying, which would normally be, oh, he doesn't like me at all. But no, he is just really evaluating everything that I'm saying. So what did I do? Of course, I started to mirror his body language, tone, and everything else. And we're about halfway through our interview, and he asks me what my Myers-Briggs scores are. And I'm like, well, my Myers-Briggs is a little bit inconsistent because I'm a, you know, I'm a literal introvert, extrovert. It kind of changes depending on the situation. And he looks at me and he goes, I can't imagine you being an extrovert at all. And I said to him, like an idiot, well, that's because I'm mirroring you. <laughs> what? <gasps> yeah. Uh, nobody likes it when they've just been told that I fooled them. It wasn't clever. It wasn't smart. And it definitely was not consistent with what I was presenting to the rest of the team, to the other leader, and all the rest. So yeah, no surprise, I did not get that job. There you go. Funny enough, six months later, I uh, ran across several members from School of Mines, uh, and they were like, 
yeah, we should have hired you. The other person we hired only lasted four months. I'm like, sorry, I blew the interview. And that's the thing. All it takes is being inconsistent with one person that you meet that will throw doubt onto your candidacy and can cost you the job. So there you go. All right, I want to do a very, very quick exercise. And this is just more of a thought exercise for you. So I want you to think of who did you admire or who did you want to be as a kid? You know, this could be like a superhero or just somebody in your own personal life that you greatly admired, like a teacher or a parent. And I want you to think about what qualities did they possess? And then I want you to think about how many of those are a part of who you are today. Well, I'll share you mine. I always wanted to be Luke Skywalker. Yes, I know. That's, uh, yeah. Hmm. So here's what I feel about Luke Skywalker. And also, I am a traditional Star Wars nerd. So I am talking about the actual original trilogies. We're not going to go into the travesty of the prequels. Uh, I also count the expanded universe. So all the books and comic books before Disney bought them. That's canon to me, just so you know. Not like the in the... Um, <laughs> <laughs> the latest ones where Luke went, ah, screw you guys. I'm going to go live on an island by myself because my feelings got hurt. No, that no, that's not my Luke. Hashtag not my Luke. So in my world, Luke Skywalker's traits are he's very talented. He overcomes the odds. He's dedicated to his training sometimes. He's confident. He's an empowering teacher. And he sees the best in others, sometimes to a fault. But I'm not going to blame him for wanting to kill Kylo Ren. I think all of us, anybody who's tried to teach a teenager anything, can really relate with wanting to kill them and every now and then. Just saying. But for me, this all is part of the brand that I offer today. I'm talented in what I do. I believe in overcoming the odds. That's why I founded a business. I'm definitely dedicated to this work to the point that I am fascinated with the whole career expansion world. And I love learning more about it while staying in touch with the HR world to see what they are doing on the recruitment side. Obviously, I'm confident. I'm not even going to go there. I got an award for being a teacher. So there you are. And yeah, I do believe in seeing the best in others. And more importantly, teaching them how to use that and getting it to come through in their interviews and resumes and all the rest of that. So who was this for you? Who was that person that you admired so much as a kid? And what were their traits? And how many of those are you still incorporating into your life today? And these can be your basis for building a personal profile or the personal brand, if you will. So now that we've got some ideas, some of these traits, let's talk about making a branding statement. So it really falls down into this formula. So number one, you wanna hit some of your credentials. So this is gonna be your years of experience, 
or a firm skill set, something that really relates to the job you're going after. Uh, the next is to take the top traits. So what does the employer need? It has to relate to their needs. So we can have like awesome skills, like I do comedy on the side sometimes. Uh, that's an awesome skill, but it's not necessarily gonna help me if I'm going for a job as an HR manager. Possibly, but it's not one of the big marketable skills. And finally, let's talk about the kind of problems you do solve. So here's a sample for somebody in sales. So their hero traits were somebody who is ambitious, courageous, loyal, and builds these long-term relationships. First part of that formula, as a top rank salesman, I believe that building solid long-term relationships are the foundation for sustainable corporate growth. Number two, by taking our customers through a consultative process, I help them discover their real needs and develop proposals that demonstrate clear return on their investment. Three, the final punch. With this customer-centered philosophy, I have consistently exceeded both my personal and professional sales goals for over 12 years. So that's a clear example of what a brand would be for somebody involved in sales. It directly relates to the employer's needs, it's keyword optimized, and it's personal based on the traits they recognized within their heroes. All right, that's enough about branding for your job search. Let's talk about branding on you. No, I'm not talking about actual branding. Of course, it's time to talk about tattoos. And let's face it, it's really, really important to get the right tattoo the first time around. Because if you don't, what that means is you either walk around with an awful tattoo on or you're going to have to invest money in a cover-up tattoo. There was a meme I saw once that still sticks with me. This was from like years ago. So it was somebody showing like a tattoo flash, you know, basic art for like a lion. And they're like, I can get this lion for $100 or I can go to this other artist who charges more, but his tattoos look better. And that one's going to cost me $300. And they're asking people online, which one should they do? And the cheap friends are all like, oh, just go for the 100 That's all you need. The other ones that are a little bit more intelligent are like, yeah, go ahead, invest, get the real one, the one you really want, the quality art for 300 because otherwise you're going to end up paying over $700 to get that thing fixed up later on as a cover-up. And I admit it, I have some cover-ups too. So of the nine tattoos that I've got right now, three of them are cover-ups. So, yeah, take my advice on this one. I will share my grisly details with you that some of these were, you know, being 18 years old and just wanting to get a tattoo. And I thought it was going to be a cool art design and it just kind of didn't work out that way. <laughs> like, um, one was from the tower, is the tower from uh, tarot cards, which stands for spiritual growth through total destruction but it was not a Rider weight dick. It was something more um, custom. So it was like a cat-based themed deck. So nobody knew what it looked like. It just looked like 
a big cat getting its head shot off. Not exactly the best translation from the art to a tattoo. So yeah, I had to change that one. I covered that one up with a phoenix, which is basically the same kind of message, but it's more positive. It's like the outcome after all that destruction's over and how we're rebuilt and reborn from our ashes. But here's the thing I do know about cover-ups. And just like you want to get your resume done right the first time, rather than trying to deal with this thing out in the world and nobody gets it and they don't understand what you're trying to say or the art on it, like if you went for a highly graphic or stylized resume and then the computers just kind of chunk that up because, of course, a graphically driven or an infographic resume the applicant tracking systems, those online applications, don't know what to do with all the graphics. So it goes, eh? I don't get it. Uh, is it a cat getting its head shot off? That's what your tattoo, you know, resume looks like to me. So of course we don't want to have that going on. It's very important to understand the image you want to portray to the world and nail it right the first time. Now, some of my cover-ups are just because I've outgrown them. Or, hey, the skin got saggy over 20, 25 years, so I guess my skin outgrew the tattoo, and people really couldn't tell what it was anymore. That was the most recent one I had done, which is the uh, dragon on my uh, chest. Now, it was a dragon before, but nobody could tell anymore. It was so old. It was old! So let's talk about some things to keep in mind. If you find yourself in a position where you either have like a bad decision tattoo, maybe it was a drunken debt. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge. No judgment whatsoever. But maybe it's something that you just outgrew and you don't need that symbol in your life anymore. Or you're just wanting to replace plain old bad art with something that's going to be really impactful. So here's some things to keep in mind. So number one, you want to keep the design close to the old ink, meaning that uh, if you're not going to wildly out from the same style, it's going to fit better. So if you have like a Celtic knot and you replace it with a better Celtic knot, that's kind of the easiest way to do that. Uh, the other things that you want to do is keep in mind a cover-up tattoo is always going to be bigger than the original one was. The artist has to hide the lines and make it look like it all belongs together, which is why that cover-up's going to be bigger, because the same outlines are not going to be there. It has to be bigger. It's just the way it works. Also, sometimes people have different pain experiences with a cover-up versus the original. And I can't tell you for sure which one's gonna be the case for you. I know in my case, my body produces scar tissue like crazy. It just loves scar tissue. And it's something that's been a problem with me, like not just for cover-up tattoos, but also like with surgeries where they had to redo surgeries. Yes, I am so lucky. I get to do multiple surgeries on some of these things in my past. But the problem is scars are usually only going to go one of two ways. They're either going to be more numb because the nerve endings are just kind of dead within it, 
or they're going to be super painful because all the nerve endings are activated as part of the scar and they grow in a certain different way. That's not a medical assessment in any way, shape, or form. But of course, lucky me, I get the painful scars. So one of my cover-ups, which is a tattoo that's on my right upper arm, which the original tattoo took 45 minutes and I literally fell asleep in the chair. By the way, that upper arm is like one of the easiest spots you can get a tattoo done. You have got a lot of muscle there. It's exposed to the elements and stuff. You wear short sleeve shirts and you know, it just tends to be a little bit tougher than some of the other parts of your body for that initial pass. But then when I got the cover up done many years later, oh my gosh, I wanted to crawl out of the tattoo chair. It was so much more painful than the first one. And why? It's because the original tattoo had some scarring on it. That doesn't mean it was a mess of scars and it had gotten infected and it was just awful. Technically, anytime you get a tattoo done, it's creating scar tissue in the body and it holds on to the ink. That's how that works. So even though this original tattoo healed up just fine, it technically was going over scar tissue on my arm on the cover-up, and that's why it hurt me so much. I could definitely tell those spots where we were getting into fresh skin versus the already tattooed skin. Not a pleasant experience, but hey, that's the way it goes sometimes. The other big thing is really, really research your artist. The last thing you want to do is get a bad cover-up on top of a bad tattoo. And that's why that meme was so accurate. You could spend a hundred bucks, get just like some janky lion. You could spend 300 bucks, get a good lion, or spend 700 bucks and get the janky lion corrected by a very reputable cover-up artist. Somebody who like specializes in this stuff. So when you're talking to these potential tattoo artists, some of the things you want to keep in mind is how do they go about their strategies for covering up a tattoo? Uh, some of them are just like, okay, we're just going to black this thing out. Others want to take a more artistic bend. Are they hiding things in lines and shadows or are they hiding things with color and intensity? Those are some good questions to ask. And of course, you want to ask them, how many cover-ups have they done? Um, and always ask for some before and after photos of the cover-ups that they've done. The other thing, it's like if you've got a lot of black in the original tattoo or very dark colors, sorry, the only thing that really covers black is black. So if you've got tons and tons of black within that original bad tattoo, just understand it's going to be hard to deal with. Another problem with especially like older tattoos, if they have like a lot of dark colors, black lines, things like this, is you, you may not be able to do it. I've got one. It's a busted up tiger on my leg. Yes, I've got another bad tattoo and this is like one of the biggest tattoos on my body 
So the original intent was to do the black and gray work and then come up and get the color done later because I only had X amount of money. But now, because it's 25 years later, 30 years later, oh my God, it's 30 years later. And all the black has bled into itself. So people don't even know what it is. It, the tiger's face doesn't look like a tiger. It looks like a blob. It's bad. It's so bad. And I'll be honest, I'm scared about how this cover-up's going to go, So, which is why I haven't done anything about it. Not to mention, all the black and gray lines bled into each other. So now it's a real big mess. So eh, that one may never be done, but I would honestly at this point in my life rather invest money into new tattoos somewhere else and just kind of when people ask what that is, I'll go to, yeah, I was a tiger. Yeah, I was drunk. Yeah, I know. So anyways, those are just a few things to keep in mind if you find yourself with these bad tattoos that they need need to get covered up. Just do your research this time. Make sure you're getting what you really want. Make sure you're working with a reputable artist. Just like getting your resume done or trying to make that first impression in an interview, get it right the first time instead of trying to go through the messiness and the expense and the bad perceptions from other people when you go backwards and try to fix it. There we go. That's our show for today. I shared some embarrassing truths about myself with you today. Hopefully you can learn from my mistakes both in your interviews and your resumes, and of course, with your precious, precious skin. Thanks for listening to Tattooed Freaks in Business Suits, produced by the Personal Touch Career Services. Our host is Donna Shannon. All music has been ethically sourced and licensed from SoundDogs.com and EpidemicSound.com. Support the arts. We certainly do. Join us next time as we continue to explore the evolving world of work and leadership in the United States. If you are interested in being a guest or if you would like to receive a complimentary career evaluation, please visit the contact page at personaltouchcareerservices.com. Once again, that's personaltouchcareerservices.com. Or you can just Google it.